1: Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler's controversial plan to reduce the city's homelessness crisis to a simmer includes the creation of six large encampment sites. They would each house 150 people to start, and Portland officials are hoping the sites will be open by 2024. I'm Elena Sachs, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Today, I'm talking to homelessness reporter, Nicole Hayden. Last month, Nicole took a trip down to Los Angeles to see how things were going at a large tent camp there, one that's run by a nonprofit that may end up operating one or more of Portland's forthcoming tent sites. Nicole, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so uh, first question is just, why did you, as a reporter for The Oregonian, decide to travel all the way down to LA to report on a tent site, and how long were you down there?
0: Yeah, so um, you know, oftentimes when you uh, know the city or the county is launching into a new project, they're really looking for a local nonprofit to run it. Um, this time, though, uh, no local nonprofits expressed interest in this plan, uh, partially because they don't support it, and partially because um, it's just not something they could take on. It's a lot of work, and so. The city has been working uh, planning with this nonprofit, Urban Alchemy, that's based in California, even though they haven't awarded the contract to them yet. Urban Alchemy really led uh, the city to plan out this tent site project the way it Um, they have. And so we wanted to really understand who this nonprofit was. We wanted to see uh, what the operations were on the ground and let people know what could be coming to uh, Portland. And so I spent two days in LA talking to folks living at one of the tent sites down there, workers that uh, staff it, and then neighbors um, that live around the site. Gotcha. And so what did
1: you see when you were there at the site?
0: Yeah, um, I think I was like pleasantly surprised when I went to the site to see that um, you know it was really clean, it was quiet, it felt safe, and the campers living there really expressed gratitude for you know the chance to have this calm, stable place to uh, stay temporarily. Um, yeah. They uh, you know get a large tent. It's enclosed in a fence. Um, No one can come in or out unless they camp there. They get food throughout the day, three meals, but people can eat at any time. They get supportive workers. Um, It's very clean. When I was there, folks were like cleaning the bathrooms and it's like even smelled good. So, you know, people really express gratitude that they didn't have to worry about the violence. They could sleep through the night. You know, a lot of folks who are living on the street don't sleep through the night because it's yeah. too dangerous to do so.
1: Yeah, definitely. And in terms of the specific people at the camp, you know, obviously there's way more unhoused people in LA than could fit in you know, that one site or any of the others. Are there, I guess, what are the kind of criteria? I don't know if that's really r- mm-hmm. the right yeah. word, but kind of for people to stay there.
0: Yeah, anyone can stay there. Um, it's really a come as you are kind of place. And while I was there, there's actually, yeah, five available tents. Um, mm. And so I think I'm not, too sure how they recruit people, but it sounded like word of mouth in mm-hmm. Portland, though, for like our safe rest villages. You have to be referred to them. So, mm-hmm. um, our sites might be similar to that, but uh, those details haven't really been shared yet. But yeah, the folks who could stay here, uh, you don't have to be sober. Um, they mm-hmm. ask that you don't do drugs on site, but you're not going to get kicked out if you do because people know that, like, If you really put strict criteria on who can uh, access safe places, then um, that's really doing a disservice. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, anyone can come and stay at these places.
1: Yeah. And so when you were there, I'm guessing you probably talked to some of the, you know,
0: neighbors living maybe on
1: the that street or in the neighborhood or, you know, people who own businesses nearby. Um, what, what did they kind of have to say about their experience living, you know, in close proximity, living or working in close proximity to this camp?
0: Yeah, they expressed gratitude um, that the camp was, you know, pretty quiet day to day. Since the camp was set up, um, they notice fewer tents on their sidewalks. Mm. Part of that is because Urban Alchemy, the nonprofit, is tasked with keeping the surrounding area kind of clear of people that are loitering. So that mm. really translates into them being responsible for sweeping people and discouraging folks from camping or if they do see folks who are homeless in the area kind of offering going out offering them services saying like hey if we have a spot here are you interested in staying here. Um, So most neighbors uh, had positive things to say there was just one business owner who said he experienced some uh, frustrating uh, moments of folks coming in and maybe not paying for things. But it's yeah, it's definitely hard to say if those were folks living in the campsite or if those were just other people.
1: Mm, yeah. So I guess taking a bit of a step back, um, could you just talk a bit about kind of what slash who Urban Alchemy is like as a nonprofit?
0: Yeah, so uh, they are a California-based nonprofit focused on – addressing homelessness, providing services, um, and that they employ folks who were previously incarcerated to kind of staff um, their various projects. While they're based in California, they've been expanding. They've expanded to Texas so far. They hope to expand Mm -hmm. to Portland. um, And I think they have some other sites they're looking at as well. But essentially, they started out providing um, public bathrooms to folks who are homeless. They Mm. kind of ran a project like that up in the California's Bay Area. And since then, they've kind of taken on other bigger projects um, such as these tent sites. And they've expanded very, very quickly. They've gotten many, many government contracts throughout California. But they've also come up against criticisms. Um, Mm -hmm. They've had multiple lawsuits against them. For example, there was a city-run tent site in the city of Sal which is Mm -hmm. in California's um, Bay Area, because a worker employed by urban alchemy was bringing meth onto the site and giving it to the campers living there. And also, uh, um, a woman at the encampment said uh, one of the urban alchemy workers sexually assaulted her. Um, and that led to a federal judge saying that the city of Salsalito could not renew their contract with urban alchemy. So that's a big mm. deal. And then yeah. there are other lawsuits involved. Um, Employees of Urban Alchemy saying that they felt like they weren't compensated fairly or that they Mm. didn't provide the proper training, you know, especially like de escalation training, um, teaching staff how to deal with folks in mental health distress. And, you know, some of those cases were just dismissed, some were settled. uh, But yeah, uh, they are a very, very big nonprofit looking to expand quickly. Um, And with that comes. Yeah, some issues like that.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming you probably <laughs> asked them or you know, someone from Urban Alchemy about these lawsuits.
0: Um, what did they have to say? Uh, yeah, they didn't really say much. When I asked um, how they would prevent similar issues from happening in Portland if they were to receive the contract to operate up here, they essentially said that they... Uh, Strive to provide a safe place for everyone. Right. Okay. (laughs) Kind of classic (laughs) P.R.E. response. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, So, okay. I guess kind of for the moment, maybe shelving that aspect of things a little bit. um, If Urban Alchemy were to win the bid to run, you know, one or more of the large tent sites in Portland, is the expectation that they would run them in, you know, a, pr- a pretty similar way as they are currently running the LA site?
0: Yes. So it would be a very similar, um, pretty much identical. So people would be living in large tents. Um, they would get food throughout the day. Um, there would be staff on site at all times. They could be connected to other services they need. They could work on their housing goals. Um, But one critique is that, you know, these are tents. And while in L.A. it's warmer, maybe that doesn't really translate to the best shelter here. And so that's why um, at least one nonprofit, local nonprofit, said, like, they didn't apply to run this site because they felt it was not the best model. So when I asked Urban Alchemy how they plan to address the weather issue, um, they responded that, you know, folks – have already been surviving in tents in Portland thus far that they felt like people, you know, would be okay, and they said that you know they could put more tarps over their tent or maybe they could get a heater, but not like an actual heater, maybe like a heat fan that blows hmm. towards multiple tents. But but we do know that tents here really don't stand up to the rain, and they're constantly yeah. having to be replaced. People's uh, clothes and items that are always soaked with water, so that is something that would need to be addressed.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, so Mayor Wheeler's kind of latest plan to address homelessness has been met with kind of criticism from multiple angles, I mean, including, um, you know, what you just kind of mentioned. But um, another one of the points he's been under fire for, which you mentioned in your article was, a, you know, comment that unsheltered people who don't agree to one of the city's large encampments once open, could face citations or even arrest unless they agree to mental health or addiction treatment. And recently, his office has kind of walked that back and said citations and a camping ban are still kind of under discussion, but based on your reporting, what are opponents of these potential provisions kind of saying?
0: Yeah, uh, we know that it's not best practice to criminalize homelessness. You know, you're just adding to the barriers for someone to get out of that situation by placing citations on them or arresting them. You're just pushing them a few steps backwards versus a few steps forward. And it also breaks trust. Like, if you're being threatened with arrest to go into this site, like, people are going to kind of come at it with, like, this kind of fear and anxiety. So, while these sites we saw in LA make people feel very safe, if you kind of proceed that with threats of um, arrest, uh, you might take away those feelings of safety and trust mm-hmm. um and you know working through addiction is a very difficult personal thing and you have to really choose and want it and being forced into it on the guise of like you have to do it or you'll be arrested I mean, someone might go through a treatment but it doesn't mean it will last um mm-hmm. if they're forced mm-hmm. like it's a f- it could though you know it could also work but um You know, it's a very personal thing and it's a very like hard medical thing and the situation needs to be right. And also already people who want mental health care and they want substance uh, use uh, care or detox, like they're having a hard time getting into it because we don't have enough beds or services. So Mm -hmm. it's just a challenging plan overall and it goes against what, you know, higher have already fought for is they've tried to, uh, through a a case called Martin v. Boise, say it's not humane to criminalize homelessness. And so that it kind of feels like we're going a couple steps backwards.
1: Hmm. Have you heard any concerns either from housed or unhoused Portland residents or, you know, both um, about the prospect of urban alchemy running the coming encampments?
0: Yeah, I feel like as I've been talking to mostly nonprofits that are local here, they really don't know much about Urban Alchemy, so mm-hmm. they're not sure if they would be good or not. Instead, nonprofits have been offering their expertise of like what it's like to run a nonprofit here locally, and so I think that could lead to good partnerships if those with local expertise offer their knowledge to an incoming nonprofit, mm-hmm. but... um as far as overall, I think the broader populace is just desperate for any solution. So, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So what's the timeline for getting these sites up and running in Portland? Cause so far the city is quite a bit behind schedule and it's plans to get some smaller sites going. So yeah. Is it kind of similar f- for these larger sites?
0: Yeah. They said, um, the first of these sites could be operating as soon as 2024, um, Mm -hmm. but they haven't released a timeline yet. Um, So we don't know how soon this first one that Urban Alchemy has bid for could pop up. Um, I can tell you that the site in LA that I toured, that was built in six months in LA Mm -hmm. to add some perspective. But yeah, overall, in terms of the other uh, safe rest sites which are offer people tiny homes to live in in Portland and those sites are quite behind schedule um yeah. right now
1: yeah I- I'm wondering do you just from your perspective you know being down in LA seeing the the camp there and you know having a very deep knowledge of the situation here in Portland like are you concerned at all about the scale difference um not necessarily in terms of the number of people experiencing homelessness in the two cities, but, you know, the, the camp down in LA houses, re- remind me how many people
0: were living there again? Uh They have 95 tents. Right. Yep.
1: And then the ones here, at least according to the city or, you know, initially they had said 500 per, mm-hmm. per site and now they, you know, kind of bumped that down to 150, at least to start. But is there, I don't know, is that something that's on your radar at all? Or do you think that's not a huge area? Yeah, I
0: think initially that was a big question is, could Urban Alchemy scale this up to what Portland was hoping for? But since they're doing it little by little, since they're just bidding to run this one small site first and then grow from there, I think the scaling up piece is doable because, Mm. um, while the LA site had 95 tents, um, I think our site would have 100 or something tents, but could house up to 150 people mm. uh, for like when you consider couples living in tents together. Right. And when I was at the LA site, it actually felt much smaller than that. Even though they had mm. that many tents, it didn't feel like I was walking into like this mass encampment. It still yeah. felt pretty. Um, small and kind of cozy. Oh,
1: interesting. Um, I'm wondering, how does Sam Adams' departure from the mayor's office fit into this picture, if at all?
0: Yeah, I think um, the initial conversation about having these mass encampments came out more than a year ago, a year mm-hmm. before the mayor's office officially announced that they would Be pursuing this project. And it came out through like leaked documents from Sam Adams that Mm -hmm. he authored. But the plans are now already fully in motion. Um, And I think his departure won't really impact that. I think, uh, yeah, things are going to move forward just as planned. Yeah, Mm. his departure, as we know, as uh, the mayor said, linked to him bullying and harassing female employees. So um, hopefully. No employees will be bullied or harassed anymore, but I think as far as this homeless plan, it's still going to march forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so once these, you know, six large encampments are open and operating in Portland, um, what's the city's plan for kind of moving those residents into more permanent housing? And obviously that's a much larger question, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) if you could touch on it.
0: Yeah. So for... Anything that the city or county does, the end goal is housing. And, you know, these tent sites are kind of the answer of, like, how do we keep people safe in the meantime? Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're not using these sites as an opportunity to help people get into housing, then um, we're not really using them as best we could. So Mm -hmm. the plan is to kind of um, the county and city and all the agencies to work together to kind Get folks living at these sites connected to housings, to so that this can be a stepping stone in their longer, you know, housing process. But what we did see at the LA site is that in the past year, only two percent of the campers moved into housing, and yeah. many, many actually returned to homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a concern. Um, But we do know that our safe rest villages in Portland um, that offer folks tiny homes to live in, Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen housing success from those sites. So as long as those kind of skills and methods are applied to these tent sites, they could work to get people housed. As long as everything is, you know, melded together and working together and definitely that can be a challenge, but it can also it can it can be accomplished.
1: Yeah. Well, lastly, I just kind of want to get a broader sense based on your reporting for this story, but also just your other reporting recently of how things are feeling for folks living out on Portland streets right now.
0: Uh, Yeah. Thankfully, this week feels sunnier. Um, So hopefully things are looking up. But you know, there has been some really harsh days in this the winter um, the past couple of months, and that really uh, makes breaks people's spirits. Yeah. And when they hear talk about these, you know, encampments and the fact that they could be arrested or cited if they don't move into these sites, you know, since it hasn't been decided if that will or not happen, it kind of leaves people feeling fearful and anxious. And, yeah. you know, as the city continues to increase the number of sweeps they do, um, they're just not able to settle. And I've seen that anecdotally, like, you know, maybe I see fewer tents around my neighborhood, but that means I'm seeing more people just sleeping in their sleeping bag, less protected yeah. than before. So I feel like people are feeling anxiety right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on that I didn't really ask about or that you hope readers take away from your story?
0: Yeah, just that um, we need to be open to all kinds of solutions. You know, one thing is not going to work for everyone, but we also, while we're open to all these solutions, still have to have a critical eye to make sure we're providing the safest programs we can for people, but yeah thank you for having me on and for chatting
1: oh yeah thanks so much for for your reporting and for coming on the show to talk about it well thank you for listening to beat check with the oregonian if you haven't read nicole's story yet you really should and i made it super easy just click the link in the episode notes as always if you like the show feel free to head on over to apple podcasts or just stay put if you're already there and leave us a five-star review Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.